my spidey senses tingling. That voice that's like a J-guard to your ears is that of Slim, the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 85. Welcome to the show, uh, papercake.com. We are the biggest tumbler in the history of Bloomfield, New Jersey. Fact. We talk about the books we're reading, some news. And a book club. Chris Claremont. You ever heard of him? John Byrne. Oh, yeah. uh, a little book called The Dark Phoenix Saga. Thanks for tuning in uh, for the first time ever, maybe. So let's go around the room. You know, this is a new podcast. You don't want to get scammed into listening to some losers. Mm-hmm. We've got three winners on this show, at least. Uh, you know, the first one, he's wearing a Cosby sweater. He looks so glamorous this evening. He's training for decathlon. He's a DC historian. Mark Farrington, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And before we go any further, don't disrespect this sweater. It's fine. Uh, sitting to his left, he is, it's a fact, he's an unpublished writer. He does some fanfic when he has the time. Um, his name is Jonesy Loves Beer, and he's setting the Twitter on fire with screenshots of him eating Marie Calendars. Thanks for being here. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need a hot meal, and you've had a long day, and uh, you're just like, where can I get a chicken pot pie? And Marie Calendars wa- is waiting for me. It's a common question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have on our panel probably the biggest vasectomy expert in South Jersey. He's he's VP of merch for Paper Cake. That is a fact. Dale underscore A, thanks for being on the show again. Uh, thanks for having me on once again. The esteemed panel with uh, sharing my time with these other with those other uh, hosts. Uh, it is good. And yes, I uh, check out the flat for further details on Slim's comments regarding uh, unload my clip. You know what I'm saying? Gun control. Just uh, promoting another show. You know, the intro for a podcast, he's already promoted the other show. It's amazing. It's skill. It's unbridled skill. Uh, big show. Thanks for tuning in. Chris Claremont. You know? You heard of that guy, Mark? You heard of him? Once or twice. You he wrote, heard? He wrote X-Men for like a minute, right? He had like a hot minute. The uh, you know he wrote a lot of popular stories, not the least of which was the Dark Phoenix Saga. We're gonna get into it. 180 pages, like 600 words a page. Yeah, yeah. I'm st- I'm still not even positive Dale finished it. Yeah, save it for the show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, thanks for tuning in. You know, uh, there's a lot of crappy podcasts out there. We're not one of them. 
studies show. Dale, what's happening in the world of Nia's? A little movie called Man of Steel coming out, mm. right? Zachary mm. Snyder. Mm. Uh, and guess what? Uh, speculators are speculating. People reading into the trailers. Uh, Superman's little uh, flighty little f- male friend, Jimmy Olsen. Has a zero. Yep. Well, in this, the gal's a zero. All right. What? Jimmy Olsen, sex change operation. What? Jamie Olsen. Let's talk about Good it. Good for him. Good for him. Are they going to go uh, into the transgender in the movie? Or is this like Joan Watson from uh, Elementary? This is just completely post-op. Jimmy Olsen's now a woman. Jenny Olsen, he's going to go by now. And is this confirmed? Steel. Confirmed that uh, Jenny Olsen is in the movie. There's no transgender. I'm just trying to make jokes here. <laughs> Terrible jokes. Dale, I love and trust you so much that I take everything you say as Bible fact. Yeah, you scare me. Well, yes. the part about Jimmy being a woman. But yes, there will no... Hypothetically, there will be no man Olsen. It'll be woman mm. Olsen named Jenny working for the uh, Daily Planet. She, is is it is she an, uh, like a Hindu actress, Indian actress, or was that just the one still that I saw? She looked, uh, she had darker skin. She looks very exotic. She she has like the skin tone of a Rashida Jones. Oh, oh god, yes. nice uh, That is a dynamite skin tone. Yeah. That oh is. yes. Olive, uh, maybe is that the right? Yeah, olive? maybe olive. Mark, can you can can you confirm the that it is olive skin tone? Mark, you're black. Spoiler. VP of skin tone. I give her a light skin tone. Little darker than olive. Hmm. Comes from being mixed. That's okay. Right. It's very exotic. Mark, what do you think about your boy, Jimmy Olsen, now being a female in this alleged Man of Steel movie? I don't get it. Why would you do that? And ordinarily, I wouldn't really care. But part of Jimmy Olsen's character is that he's a guy. He's Superman's pal. Making him a her changes the dynamic. So before the internet opens up with hate mail towards me, it's not so much I hate that they're having a woman in the movie, it's they're changing an essential character to a woman. My thoughts did at you least. Know that, did you know that Lawrence Fishburne is playing Perry White? I didn't know that. Mm, I didn't know that. your G-damn mind right now. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams making an appearance. <laughs> As the Riddler? The, the Riddler. Uh, the ultimate troll by Mark. That's Farrington. a callback. That is like a thirty unconfirmed episode callback. Unconfirmed in Batman at part four. Um, I'm still I, waiting. We need, to find that. we need to find the audio out of what episode <laughs> that was, and we need to put that publicly just on its own. Yeah. That was amazing. For new listeners, Mark saw a trailer for The Dark Knight Rises. YouTube fan trailer. Let me. Uh, it was a fan that. trailer that Robin Williams was. In quote, and he was jacked that Robin Williams was going to play the Riddler in the new movie. My only defense was I was at Ren Fair and drinking. That's the only defense I have. There is no defense. Mm. When we asked who had uh, referred him to it, he would only give up. My boy sent it to me. Still don't mm. know who that is. Who was that boy? Is I this think it was you? the bottle of wine <laughs> that he was drinking that evening. His is bottle of wine cooler. <laughs> His is boy this the most chambering? interesting news that we have? This is not news. <laughs> This is old stuff. Quit bringing up old business. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I want to talk. I think, you know, it's the 90s now. Guys and girls mm. can be friends. That was that's my only th- thought of it. I mean, I think I think it could work like, you know, like Booth and Bones before they got together. They have they have They're a, they together? had a friendship. They're together now. Yeah. Wow. That's that's, that's for our other podcast, the uh, Bones podcast. Bones. Uh, big props. Uh, hopefully, well, it's a step in the right direction for our boys, uh, Colin Bun, and. Uh, the other co-creator of the Six Gun, NBC ordered up a pilot for it, so that's that's pretty awesome. If uh, NBC can do the Six Gun justice, I think uh, they could have a hit on their hands. Now, mm. you know, it's it's uh, it could be very special effects laden, yeah, which could be an issue. But it's a lot of money. Uh, that is a lot of money. Yeah, and NBC is. I can. Pick, I could just see being uptight about. You know, if Johnson and Johnson isn't sponsoring, they're not getting the sponsors in. Papa John's isn't sponsoring the Six Gun. They'll cancel that sucker in a heartbeat. And it'll be right up there. It'll probably be back to back with Grim on Friday night. <laughs> oh, jeez. And we're all we're all going down. So. Uh, I did. We do the Six Gun on a, for a book club on the show. We did. We did. We did. It was absolutely fantastic. If uh, if I remember, we all agreed it. Mark probably didn't think it was, but when is this supposed to hit the TV waves? Do we know yet? Um, well, I'm looking now, and uh, probably no. It's probably 2014. Yeah, probably. I I'm not gonna listen. I love the Six Gun. Everyone knows that. That's well documented. Look at the archives. But I'm not gonna hold my breath for a comic comic based pilot. I mean, look at Bendis. Bendis can't get powers off the ground. I know. It's been like a decade. I complete, it's got Jason I, Patrick in it. Speed 2, Cruise Control? He was in it. I don't think he's going to be in this new version. And uh, what was Lock and Key had like a TV pilot that never made it. Apparently it stunk. I mean, I come that. off it. Let's, let's David all, E. Kelly's I mean, Wonder Woman. Even, yeah, they can't even remake Wonder Woman right. Mm-hmm. There is Bro- a... Uh, Broobs. Broobs has some shows uh, on the back burner. Um... Bun and Hurt have another comic property called uh, The Damned. I've never heard of it, but they have that. Uh, Showtime has that locked up in development hell, so maybe Showtime will uh, spit out a comic book property. I'd be interested in seeing anything. I mean, we've got to support your comic shows, you know? It's a fact. It is a fact. Um, Word. Another, another fact is we're running out of tape, so I need to move into the comic talk right now. And I'm going to start it off. You know, I had a very big week for for comics. Jonesy is clapping for those not watching the video. Uh, A book that I forgot about, you know, by one of my personal heroes. Uncanny Avengers, number three. Remember that book? I I thought this book was on, like, number five already. Yeah. And it's only on number three. It's a Uh, super, is it like, it's longer than a month out, right? It's every five weeks. Yeah, it's so late. Everything is so behind. Yeah. The um, the the so for those that aren't reading, the Red Skull had a clone made of himself, as you know, this is regular normal stuff back then. As he's around World War Two, and uh, not only that, but he has dug up the corpse of Charles Xavier and is now using his brain to you know help weed out mutants. Mutants essentially are the new Jews in this storyline, so he needs to rid the world of mutants. Um, you know, he's a Nazi. Spoiler. So, they they have this weird team where Rogue, Scarlet Witch, Havoc, 
Cap, Thor, and Wolverine are on a team. And, uh... Listen, Havoc is wearing the dumbest costume on the history of the planet. He's got that stupid white bar on his head, and it was supposed to be an homage to the Neil Adams Havoc. It's junk. It is literal garbage, especially when Cassidy draws it. And also, it looked like junk in that cable in the X-Force book. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. T- but the, yeah. The, the, vibe, the vibe of this book is really weird. It's, it's, I saw someone on Twitter say it was like an old-timey horror radio show. Like what was happening, and it's pretty true. Like this, uh, Red Skull goes into this like the center of New York and uses his brain powers to get the regular folk to kill mutants, just like out of nowhere. Like these people are just assaulting mutants on the streets and killing them. And the art, but the art is really, I don't know what's happening with uh, Cassidy's art, but it is not astonishing X Men art. I mean, there's some flashes of brilliance, like where Wolverine finds out that he has. Oh my god! Xavier's brain is one of like my all-time favorite Cassidy panels. He just like loses his mind, and the background is all red. But there's one scene where Cap is like throwing off humans off of himself in the sky, and it is I like did a double take. I was like, how did this make it into the book? This must have been the one day where he was like, I just got to get this thing done. I gotta, I gotta get it out there. But I mean, I'm looking forward to Acuna hitting the book. Uh, That's all I'm gonna say about that. Atrocious artist. The uh, I remember you tweeted a picture of your little iPad Mini in the office waste paper basket after you read like, Uncanny <laughs> Avengers number three. Um, it was it was in the junk. The book was like comics nowadays are dark, and you know dark is such a generic term. I could use it for every comic I ever read, but it's like it was disturbing in some panels just because of the narration as you know some family man was getting his brains beat in by humans in a baton. It's just mm-hmm. like. This guy was picking up his brother from physical therapy, but the br- he's glad that his brother, he didn't pick up his brother yet because he didn't want his brother and his family to see him like this. But he took some solace in thinking of his family that he won't see forever again. Like, it's just these, <clears throat> the narration going over the fact that these people were being bludgeoned and hung and burned. It was like some psychotic it gave me like an uneasy feeling what reds but it made me ha- absolutely hate the red skull like mission yeah. accomplished there it's it was completely uh been completely crazy and when cap starts to become overtaken by because he's you know it's he's a human so he has the potential of being influenced but then his nobility like saw through it all i i didn't quite or <clears throat> did it or did well, it yeah, that's he, true. he goes after havoc Rick, right after that yeah, I like it. It's like, not only didn't want to second-guess Havoc's command, he wanted to, like... He, he wanted to kick him ch- off the team. <laughs> yeah, he wanted, he wanted to, like, strangle him or something, they said. Uh, but, uh, well, and, and Havoc commanding uh, Captain America, <clears throat> I didn't really get the excitement of that, but you're right, when uh, when Wolverine finds out that Red Skull cracked open Chuck's head, I mean, the, that panel was phenomenal mm-hmm. how about the line where you texted me rogues uh rogues weird line that she says what was her quote oh, yeah he she calls scarlet witch nutty rice or something and i'm just like what does that even mean like i'm trying to say it in her mississippi accent maybe i'm like like give us give us some of that accent like calm down sugar nutty rice or something like I, <laughs> that doesn't even even when you say it in an accent, it doesn't even make sense. I don't get it. Uh, 
you gotta but yeah, that's that. a, I, but that a w- weird term as you said like you're afraid to google it I'm afraid to google it too because it might actually be a thing that is some sort of slang I don't know but that's the part that was really peculiar to me uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise I mean I I like the book and I don't mind it being late it's a book that I don't I don't feel the impulsively need to buy like all new X-Men every week like I don't mm-hmm. care that it's slow I'm fine with it but I'm, I'll, I'll keep reading it. Uh, any comments from the peanut gallery on Uncanny Avengers? Uh, nutty rice is a recipe. <laughs> oh, there you go. Not Thank a candy bar? No. Is it from Marie Callender? <clears throat> yeah, I wish. I'd be in there right now. <laughs> uh, I am not on issue three. I did uh, read the first issue where you do reveal that he's got Professor X's brain, but I'm just uh, it's not on my radar right now. Hmm. It is Hickman, right, though? Hickmania? No, no it's, it's Remendo. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. The, which yeah. one is Hickman writing? Like? Avengers. He's doing all the Avengers Oh, just books. Avengers. Got it. Okay. I'm all over the place with all these new titles. Tune in to Paper Keg, 76, 73, 72. The Bill Cosby of Paper Keg. What did you read this week? I went old school because what came out this week really didn't intrigue me too much. Uh, having read Amazing 700, Archives. I decided that I want to read every Amazing Spider-Man Centennial issue. Hmm. So I'm going to tell you about my favorite, Amazing Spider-Man 500, JMS and JRJR. It's part three of a three-part story, Happy Birthday, Spider-Man, based on a battle that took place in part one in New York involving all the New York heroes, the FF, X-Men, Avengers, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man, long story short, is being thrown through time. This book opens with the first page being split into six panels. The three on the left are telling one story, three on the right are telling another. Three on the left are telling or showing Peter when he was bitten by the spider in the very beginning, his origin. Three on the right are talking about when, towards the end of Peter's career, he's surrounded by the FBI, he's talking to a police character, and he's in front of Aunt Maeve's grave on a rainy night. And it's him pleading with the cops, but we don't know why. He's going to get taken down in this battle he knows that his past self is standing behind aunt may's grave and he starts talking to him as soon as the battle goes down peter gets thrown through time the trick in this the hook in this issue rather is peter parker is going through reliving some of his greatest and toughest moments and fights his first fight with sandman when he fought the reptile the hulk um death of gwen stacy the death of captain stacy you name it it's Peter being, being thrown through time trying to catch up to the present and he's just remembering where he was how much painful or how painful it was to fight this fight and everything that was going along with him this as an anniversary issue was fantastic it was a brilliant way to show you where the character has been where the character is going and how he's grown I loved it I recommend this three part story for any Spider-Man fan hmm. and at the end it was they actually thought of a meaningful way to bring back Uncle Ben for two pages, as is always done in every anniversary issue, but it was well done. He got a present from Doctor Strange where he was able to have a five-minute conversation with him, and that's the first time in 500 issues that he has ever got to tell Ben, I'm sorry, I'm, everything I'm doing is because I messed up one time, and his uncle says, I just want you to be happy. I mm. loved it. Is this around the uh, um, like Civil War back in black? Because JMS this, did all that, right? Yep, JMS did all that. This is about 
two year, twenty four issues before the okay. Iron Spider Man Back in Black. I bet it was really just Doctor Strange wearing a big Uncle Ben mask <laughs> and like a sweat a sweater vest, and then as soon as Pete left, he took the mask off and just like exhaled his, loudly. Stop his spoiling ha- for people. His hair <laughs> hair was all matted and uh, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange is so stupid. God, <laughs> I hate that guy. He is. He's a walking ghost in the machine for a lot of plot lines, but this one I completely overlooked it. He was good. He served his purpose. And it gave me what I wanted to see. It was Spider-Man being Spider-Man. There was a great moment where Peter just breaks down in the middle of this. Doctor Strange is the voice prompting him to jump through time from next moment to moment. And Peter just snaps. like, no, I can't do this anymore. I barely survived all this stuff once. My life is messed up. You can't ask me to go through it again. Hmm. Great moment. Great, Great series. Jonesy loves unpublished. I want to talk about Star Trek Countdown to Darkness, issue one. Oh, my God. I will put it all out there and say I have never read a Star Trek comic book ever. So if you're a lover of Star Trek comics, I'm going to apologize up front. This was awful, 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 awful. Uh, I was a huge fan of the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek reboot. I thought it was great. I loved, uh, what's his name, is Kirk. I loved uh, Carl Urban as Bones. I thought uh, the whole cast was perfect. It was perfect. And I was excited, hoping that I would get some of that energy and feeling in this uh, first issue as it leads to the second film. And it was just... It's just bad. It was is, just bad. Is this uh, with the new cast of characters, or is this like? Yeah, it's it's the it's basically it picks up right, right up where the first film leaves off. Oh, okay. But every character, instead of like the film made every every character's entrance like organic, and each person kind of had their own solid little backstory. And um, the actors really channeled the original characters versus just trying to do an impression of everybody. And that's what this comic book felt like. Like drawing everybody to look extra young and then just trying to do a caricature of the original character or the actor. Like Chris Pine's version of Kirk was over-the-top ridiculous in this issue... Uh, Spock was awful. <laughs> Ohora was just a, a slut. Like it was just, it was not fun in it, and it kind of took away some of the magic of that film for me, having read it. Now, was this based off the J.J. Abrams uh, sequel? Was this the prequel? Was this? Here's where I'm going with. You know, never mind. I can't even clean it up. <laughs> it's it's occurs between the first film and the the coming sequel. Okay. My question is: Will this series take you through the end of the second sequel? Is what I'm going to. I don't know, and I don't plan on finding out. Good heavens! Owned. Well, I mean, Pete, I that was a pretty negative review. I th- I think that might be the most negative uh, review ever from Jonesy. No, it's no Stormwatch review. 
I thought we weren't allowed to talk about that ever again. That's true. It was no S in a bag. Vasectomy King. Oh, boy. Hashtag the flap. Check it out on Twitter. What What did you read this week? I well, read... Just plug your other show, too, while you guys are at it. <laughs> we'll step out, and you just get just do what you gotta do. Uh, read The Answer Number One. What? Dark Horse Comics. Dennis Hopeless and Mike Norton. Mike Norton of Revival. Dennis Hopeless of the... Uh, one of those Marvel Now jobbers. Of the New Hampshire hopelesses. Avengers Arena and yeah, that's it. Cable and the X, uh, X-Force. Uh, the answer is a four-issue mini, so sold already. Well, it's one of four, so, you know, it's obviously with Dark Horse, has the potential to go past that. You never know but if they keep it in little miniaturized versions. So you have the answer, who is a superhero... You don't really know much about him this issue. He is wears a black suit with an exclamation point on his face in, in a mask. Smart. Very smart. Yeah. And it, the story focuses on this librarian, uh, 30 years old. She has a, a weird uh, relationship with her mother. She doesn't really compute with her, communicate with her mother. Her mother doesn't really understand her. It's her birthday. But her mother happens to get her like this pretty B.A. version of a Rubik's Cube. She, a librarian's really smart. She likes to be challenged uh, mentally. And she's kind of impressed that her mother got her such a present. So she opens the box, defeats this Rubik's Cube slash Hellraiser box kind of thing. And inside is like a little fortune on a piece of paper and has a web address. Um, com or something. And she's led there and it's basically she's t- taken through a series of mind games like sudoku and all this stuff she's kind of she's kind of like loving the fact that she she has all these brain teasers to solve and as soon as she does solves all of them she must be one of the first ones to do it but uh the answer shows up and says you have four minutes to get out of your apartment because apparently her solving all this has triggered something bad even though she's supposed to be kind of rewarded but we don't know yet for whatever reason she has triggered something terrible. So the answer shows up and says, you got to get out of here. In four minutes, people are going to show up with smoke bombs, guns, and they're going to try to come and get you. So she follows the answer through the window. The answer kind of uh, defends her in the alley and puts her on a bus. She's like, where am I going? He's like, just get on the bus. and uh, And then... You know, the last panel before the last page, you basically see the answer getting shot in the face with a shotgun. And then Jeez. the last and then the last page is uh her falling asleep on the bus. Boom, the answer is on the bus and sits next to her. It's uh it wasn't as dramatic as I made it sound. Um <laughs> uh, because my heart kinda, is literally pounding right now. Because you kind of figured he was gonna show up anyway. That and the pot pie. But uh Mike Norton art and I enjoyed the, uh, it, you know, as as f- funny as the story sounds, it's, it's it was actually quite entertaining. And I recommend uh, picking this book up. And especially it's a four-issue mini, so I can definitely say no matter the outcome, I'll buy the next three. Hmm. It, it's not like one of those man-thing situations where you pick up the first one and you just want to, like, stick your finger in a mousetrap for reading <laughs> it. 
You get you get what I'm saying? You don't want to pick up any more of those. This is I'm in for the long haul now because it's only four issues. Sold. Hmm. The answer number uh, one, people. Lightning round. Two sentences or less. Nobody cares. Of a book you read uh this week. It's my turn. Uncanny X Men four ten. Yeah. This is uh Shortly after the Joe Casey slash Grant Morrison new era of Uncanny X-Men with Chuck Austin writing. There's a name. Uh, pleasantly enjoyable beginning of his run before things went south. That's all I have. New Avengers Volume 3, Number 2. A parallel universe is crashing into our own. The Illuminati must figure if they can save our universe or destroy the other. And not everyone is on the same page. Rebuttal. Uncanny X-Force, number one. Gentlemen, I'm now over 30 years old. Could I finally... Be becoming a Psylocke fan after all this time? Tune in to find out. <laughs> that was a long two sentences. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, Volume 1. I spent most of my week reading this. You want the feeling of sitting around a table with your buds playing D&D? With your archetypal party makeup, read this book. Fun. Mm. The Dark Phoenix Saga. Chris Claremont, John Byrne. Crazy person, John Byrne. Google it. Uh, you know, this is one of the biggest, biggest books in X-Men history. Could be the biggest book. Right? Chris Claremont, you know, he put he put the X-Men on the map, really. The franchise was pretty much dead before he did his giant size X-Men, and he brought in Wolverine and Storm and, you know, all the rest. I think there was a Nightcrawler character in there. But, uh, Jonesy, what is, what is this, this Dark Phoenix saga? This is a multi-arced opus uh, given to you by the brilliant brain of Chris Claremont. Uh, and it chronicles the Phoenix, Jean Grey, ex-Marvel girl, her manipulation by the Hellfire Club, and her journey into madness, which results in a split personality developing, which is the Dark Phoenix. And the, the first, let's, let's call it a three-act play. The first act is uh, the discovery of some new characters. Two, quoting fingers, powerful mutants, Shadowcat and Dazzler. And uh, <laughs> uh, their, you know, recruitment to the team, or Dazzler's case, just her one-off adventure. The second act is, is Jean actively becoming the Dark Phoenix through the uh, machinations of the Hellfire Club. And the third act being the resolution 
of the characters' presence in the universe. Each arc is uh, beautifully structured by Burns' art. Um, and each arc has a definitive end. And then the next arc does a little recap so that it seems like every issue you could jump on as a new reader and still be a part of the Dark Phoenix saga. When you talk about your X-Men or my X-Men, I this these are my X-Men, and I think in my generation a lot of people feel this way. Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, uh, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, that lineup that's basically pretty close to the Saturday morning cartoon lineup is the one that I grew up reading about. And reading this again after many, many years of not having read it is like starting a conversation with an old friend. And then you just pick out all those things about, I mean, Claremont in his prime is hands down on par or better than most of the guys writing today. I mean, mm-hmm. this stuff is just gold. I mean, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off over the gushing mic to my friend Slim. <laughs> That's three episodes in a row. I think that Jonesy has deferred to me after the intro. I've been keeping count. How have you? Uh, I think in the comics podcast I talked about my loathing of Chris Claremont, but this was. This was before that I had gone back to read the essential, uh, like I had those black and white essential Uncanny X-Men books. It was just like newspaper and it was like a thousand pages. Uh-huh. And the young younger me remembers reading Chris Claremont's later Uncanny X-Men stuff, like the super long in the tooth stuff where it was like 90s and it just didn't age well. And then when I went back the first time, I realized how amazing it was, like literally amazing, and it held up the te- the test of time totally. And ne- going back again, my opinion hasn't changed. I, I think Claremont's X-Men stuff is so good, and it's so amazing, and it's so wordy. It's literally like novelizations <laughs> with pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are still, like, there's still some flaws in, you know, like what Jonesy said, how you could literally pick up an issue and get a recap page and a character backstory page within the first two pages every month. Like, you could pick up X-Men 130 and not worry about missing anything because that's how it was written. And, I, you know, who that, that might have been a huge piece of, as to why it was so successful. I know Marvel still kind of does that with the recap page, but I I absolutely adore this, this story. I love everything about it. I love every... John Byrne's art, I I wish he would have stayed on X-Men forever mm-hmm. when he did this stuff. His, I wish they never would have had anyone come after him. His breakdowns where uh, Claremont would do story transitions, uh, for instance, uh, I think one of them was directly after uh, Phoenix manifested one of her powers in a fight with Emma Frost. Um, and I might be pinpointing this wrong, but I think I'm close. And then the next flashback is them uh, parting ways with Dazzler and, and Kitty Pride, and it's two bottom panels, uh, long long strip, and the characters are all in similar poses, but they're wearing different outfits. Oh yeah, uniforms mm-hmm. and street clothes, like just little genius strokes like that. Like 
I remember flipping back to that one page at least four times while rereading this mm-hmm. just because I was so impressed by it. There's so much that um, I've admittedly never read a whole lot of Claremont's X-Men. I've never read a whole lot of old X-Men since I, you know, I've never read X-Men really since in, until I got back into comics in the early 2000s. And this is just made me like fall in love with the X-Men even more because this, you know, there's a lot, like Jonesy was saying, there's so much tied into what I loved about the X-Men as a kid. And, and you know, sp- and a lot of that is the X-Men cartoon, but, uh, you, th- you know, through my Marvel cards and through what I would uh, kind of read when I was little, but um, there's so much in this arc that is so relevant to today that, like, uh, when it, you know, the first arc of Astonishing X-Men is Kitty, like, being a real bee to Emma Frost. And now I, mm. I now I know why. Like, I knew they were, they were kind of related. You know, they've had some interaction before. But this is the reason. Like, so it was so cool for me to read this for the first time and just see that go down. And, like, the red the red suited like sentinel robot things from the x-men arcade game they were Mm -hmm. in this i thought they were just created for the arcade game i had no idea um there was just uh, it's such a great book and the art is amazing and it does the art does so much to dance around all the word bubbles that it, it it just looks completely incredible on the page I thought just, every panel where Cyclops is firing his optic blasts, I could take and frame. And and I don't like Cyclops, and I could take it and frame it and want to hang it in my man cave. Because he was always doing like an aerobics move where he's like... <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't fast enough to screenshot that. Ha ha! I want a statue of you doing Cyclops' aerobic move on my it, desk. It's like, picture that guy with the uh, Apollino Greek... Uh, skater guy from the Olympics, yeah, and that Cyclops yeah, that's, that's every cool. time he has to fire fire an optic blast. I think his name was Apollo. Apollo, I don't know if it was Apollino. Full extension, Hermes. Ch- uh, Mark, what did what did you think reading back? I hated this book. Huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm just playing. Huh. I loved it. Um, I've been reading. Claremont was when I first got into X Men, um, around eighty seven, eighty eight. And I loved him since. Uh, from a story standpoint, one of the things that hit me going through this reread were how many things, when they were written back when this was, I can't remember, in late 70s, early 80s, um, that are still being applied today. To expand on Dale's point with the Kitty Pride, Emma Frost hate, there's a panel in issue two of Astonishing where she looks at Emma and says, my very first day with the X-Men, you kidnapped them, you kidnapped us, and caged us, and tortured us. I did not know evil until I met you. And mm. you see that here. Dale's right. You see that. Um, just going through, thinking about some of the other things, I think this was first Kitty Pride, first Dazzler. Slim, I know you know this scene. Wolverine when he fell through the sewers and the camera is above him he looks up pops his claws and then it's i think the next issue's wolverine unleashed so yeah. many little things that are just famous x-men moments 
this story he kills start. he kills like 30 people in that issue like it's nothing <laughs> exactly <laughs> had one of my favorite wolverine moments of all time when he gives his little speech to the guard who's sees him and is paralyzed with fear from across the room and wolverine <laughs> looks at him and goes i know what you're thinking can i kill wolverine before he can get to me great moments yeah and, and even I'm, I'm sorry go, go ahead, ahead. no go ahead even this started off at the end of the death of Proteus, and that was a famous moment in X-Men lore. Um, from a style standpoint, what amazed me is this was so much earlier in Chris Claremont's run, the mutant genesis, but I found that his writing was a lot sharper. He wasn't over-explaining panels, and John Byrne's art did a better job of telling a story than I thought Jim Lee or any other ex-artist has done subsequently. Yeah, Instead I agree. Of like I agree. Over explaining what they're doing. John Byrne would just show you. One of my favorite panels is a three simple three page panel with Jean Grey walking down the steps to try to comfort Kitty. And each step it shows her panel number one in her Phoenix costume. Panel number two, half Phoenix, half street clothes. Panel number three is all street clothes. And it's showing you that she can psychically rearrange molecules and redo her costume. Just little mm-hmm. details that were astonishing. And I'm throwing there, it out there. there oh, yeah, go ahead. Dark Phoenix costume is one of the coolest design costumes in comics. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I'm done. That and, and the Dark Phoenix part of the story specifically, I mean, it's just so iconic and so good that, like, there's, you know, Jean Grey, it was so impactful. And, uh, you know, I was reading some of the the wiki about the the back matter basically and how uh uh you know the uh, the last minute changes to say well you know if uh if all this is going to go down Jean Grey's going to either have to kill herself or she's going to have to be killed like it wasn't going to happen like that in the original uh in the way it was originally going to be told but uh the way they and the way they executed it and basically I mean for the most part haven't really touched it since like They've they've had roundabout ways of Gene coming back uh, at certain times and or Madeline Pryor and Rachel Summers and all that, um, but for the most part, like it's it's like been one of the most impactful stories in comics, and it's kind of stuck, uh, you know, it, or it's always come back to that. Like it it's just grown to be such a, its own entity in comics lore that uh, you know you you can never probably. Dis, dismount it from being at the top or at least the very top near the top hashtag dismount, dismount. The, the, the other thing that I loved and I think it could go either way like a reader can just get annoyed with it but I loved the the internal monologues the thought bubbles that I don't even really think you even see in comics anymore where a, you can just get into a, a, a character's thoughts like almost at every point of this book, it probably would have been you know you could probably just remove the thought bubbles from this stuff or just take away every every one but one and it'll be fine like there's a lot of scenes with Colossus when he's in the Hellfire Club and he's wearing the suit and he remarks about how how amazing the 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 suit feels on him, like how fine the clothes are and then he he says like the suit costs more than my father makes in a year, yeah and should just I that, feel guilty it, and yeah. yeah. And that that gives you an insight into who Colossus is as a character more than mm-hmm. you know anything like anything else you could throw in there. And there's a ton of that stuff. Nightcrawler has amazing 
you know, internal thoughts, storm. Yeah, uh, storm. There's storm just so good. much good internal monologues that it's, you know, it's it's a different, it was a different style back then, and he was the best at it. Without even being heavy-handed either, it didn't have to tell you over and over, I'm feeling angsty or I'm nervous. It was just like you said. Colossus saying, this suit costs more than my father makes in a year. Or when they're training to fight the Imperial Guard, and all of them are having their doubts of, Jean's my friend, but she obliterated a star system. What mm-hmm. do I do? Great the, show me, uh, don't tell me. There was some cool stuff, like where they they really hammered home that mutants were like the bottom rung of the ladder. Uh, like even uh, Pierce, who was pretty much a like a, a genetic cyborg, like with cyborg implants, was literally disgusted by the X Men for being mutants. And there was a, there was a great scene where he's fighting Colossus, and I think I screenshotted it. Let me see if I can find it. He he him and Colossus are fighting and Colossus like doesn't understand why he's so repelled by him and so Pierce has his arm just like totally blown off so he, he like electrocutes Colossus in the face with his amputated robot arm <laughs> and he's like curse you. I may only be half a man but I'm more human than you'll ever be, you freak. And it was like the most like dark you could get that the X-Men are so hated as mutants that even Half men, half cyborgs are <laughs> totally disgusted by them. Right. Um, but, I mean, so much beautiful writing where Cyclops has that, like, red mask on and they're kidnapped by the Hellfire Club. And and he, as as uh, Jean is, like, being the Black Queen and she, sl- like, quietly unlocks his head mask, He uh, he's like that voice, that's Jean's voice, her presence inside my mind. She's reestablished our rapport. I can hear her. She's so beautiful, shining like a star. Like while she's morphing into this unstoppable force, he can still see the beauty of the Phoenix. And it, like the little weird, like not weird, but like the insights into how Cyclops views the transformation were so appealing to me and just so well written. You know what else was well written too was uh, the brief monologue Beast had when he's chilling at Avengers Mansion because at the time he was an Avenger and the police bulletin comes across, there's trouble with at the Hellfire Club with the X-Men and he sits there going, what do I do? I call the Avengers and we go beat the crap out of my old team or what? And then at the end, he just puts his book down and he deletes the message from the Avengers machine and he goes and rejoins the X-Men. And that was yeah. it for a while. He didn't rejoin the Avengers until... 2008 2010 yeah loved it there yeah the scene there was a great line where um professor x in order to give gene a chance they like bat they do battle on the you know the dark side of the moon and beast's internal monologue was you know like i can't believe professor x just you know sold us out and just threw us into this fight without even asking us and you know it was just just it's just a small touch that was really great and the scenes where you know they're losing and they're all getting beat up on the moon and professor x is just like pretty much weeping it in the shiar you know room and lilandra sees him doing this and she's like i you know i she's in love with him and she can't go over there and comfort him and it's tearing her up Mm -hmm. you know in his moment of need it was just just amazing so amazing yeah i and i looking back at how i hated claremont's stuff I was a dummy. I was just flat out like, what was I thinking? Can this you stuff clip is that? so. 
this stuff is so good. Anyone that says, you know, Claremont stuff is not is not up to snuff, like you need to just take your face and drown yourself in a in a toilet. Just and just put to, yourself out of your misery. You just need to take a step back and focus. Maybe not necessarily okay, let's, kill let's, yourself. All right, let's come back. Just maybe drown yourself a little bit so that your loved <laughs> one can resuscitate you, and they slap you, and then you're like, what was I thinking? I love you, and I love Chris Claremont, and that's I think, all there is. I think if you try to judge Claremont now with a mindset of a current reader, you're just not going to get it. So, of course, you're not going to yeah. be a fan. But when you go back, you know, just call me the the transmet like this is my transmet you know what i mean i get it i'm that into book is it. garbage this is this is mm. meant for me mm. so like all the people that you know get on their high horse about transmet i'm gonna get on my high you know robotic half cyborg electrocuted <laughs> in your face claremont horse and I, uh it's worth every gd minute I think, I mean, there are certain parts where maybe if a reader today is so used to the evolution of comic book writing and character writing, there are certain parts where Claremont, like, in the first couple issues, like, Professor X is like a total D-bag. And oh, like yeah. He's going like, to give Wolverine 10 demerits <laughs> for being mouthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cyclops is like, you can give 10,000 demerits. I don't think he's going to care, Professor. But Professor is just like drilling Cyclops he's like you can't run this team like I, I go away for a while and, and you're and I can't leave you resp- up to be responsible to run this team like like there were certain little aspects of the character writing that maybe uh, a new reader might just think it's total garbage but I think it's adds to the personality of Claremont I mean nobody's written him like that really since but I mean it just if you just stay in the mindset of like the time and how comic book writing was probably in a place and it just hasn't evolved to the next level yet or hasn't evolved not to the next level because it's as a good level but it just has has taken a complete change in character writing and how they uh, write personalities and uh, maybe or do a little more with art or subtleties where before it was just all dialogue and and thought bubbles and just think like your point about comic evolution you know comics are so accessible now and people can collect runs i mean back you know when this business was booming in the speculator market and they're just trying to get everybody hooked is when they can so claremont might have been under orders to write the way he did yeah and he tried yeah, to do true. as poetically and artistically as he could i mean this was so, 79 uh, 80 so it was probably you know it's probably comics were everywhere it's I'd probably not That's the speculator market yet, but yeah, this was like probably... a year. This was like a year after Dale was born. <laughs> this exactly, was the first trade I ever bought, and Jonesy, you can take a look at it. The covers are beat up, frayed, and I'm touch whatever. Right but I tried my darndest to preserve it just for the art. It's... Uh, this is a, actually this is a really good shape for TH. Yeah, I did I'm surprised the... at how well I kept it. I'm, I'm astonished. I... I did take just a few notes, and it was when I first started reading, and I had the time to take notes. Uh, Wolverine reading a penthouse magazine in the convenience store. You won't see mm. that nowadays. <laughs> uh, or and, do you? <laughs> and uh, his uh, obvious suede or Navajo yes. 
business yes. suit. <laughs> I wrote that down. With They're the matching like, hat. They were like Texas suits. Like he literally just lives in Texas and buys snakeskin suits. <laughs> yes, with designs. Like Charlie Brown zigzag designs all around, mm-hmm. like weaved around the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great when uh, they went to go f- see Kitty Pride. Um, and uh, the, it was the various, uh, they didn't make it awkward but Kitty Pride didn't have any wheelchair ramps, so probably needed Colossus to lift Professor's wheelchair into the house because the next I, panel, he's already inside the house. I do remember reading in the, that Essential Run, and you know, in like a hundred issues later, you get in actually less than hundred, but you get into life, death, and all that stuff that I obviously adore. But the the Colossus Kitty Pride relationship starts pretty early. Like, she's 13 and a half in this story, but, I mean, I'm almost positive I remember them being romantically involved maybe, like, 80 issues later. Hmm. And, like, a lot of time doesn't pass, as far as I remember, in that era. And I don't know if that was just kind of passe or normal for the time, but I might have to go back and read to see, like, what age she was when they started dating. I mean, because she's super young. Yeah, maybe they, like, did the thing where... You know co- the comic time continuum where maybe she aged a little bit, but everybody else is kind of the same. Because he started laying the groundwork. Like she already had commented on how cute he was the first time she saw him. Like sure. So I, he he's might have stud. had those plans. You know, well he's a stud. I mean Jesus, he's a Russian big Russian bear. That also <laughs> goes back to your point, Dale. That with the evolution of comic writing, with Claremont writing this book for literally a decade and some change. He had time to flesh out any plot holes that he wanted, subplots or whatever, so he could plant something and then explore it 80 issues later. And yeah. we all read AVX. How great does this make Mark Wade's infinite issue where Cyclops, powered by the Phoenix, flies up to the moon, brings back Jean because he's still picturing her death as the Dark Phoenix, and he's talking to her. That's all I could think of when I was reading this. The Dark Phoenix Saga. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, you send us your letters. Mark will, you know, try his, try his best to read these letters live on the show. Yeah, but based off popular request by a letter writer, I'm not going to read this letter. Uh-oh. I'm going to pass it. Per request, I have been asked not to read this letter. It is says... It the long version? Because I sent you two. Just making sure. This is the shortest letter that we have. The one in which the subject reads, and I quote, I want Jonesy to read this. Here you go, pal. <laughs> wow. If this is a troll. I'm Here sorry we go. about your iPad, it, Mark. Get your uh, F-bomb button ready, Slim. <laughs> Can't even see it. He's reviewing it, it right. before he does that. Jonesy's stigmatism is it going to read it to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, I'm the one who knocks. Signed, Boo Richards. What can I say? I honor request. Somebody didn't want me to read it. Next late letter we've got is coming from Ramston, saying, Dear's Paper Keg. Who would be your favorite combo writer slash artist, and which book do you think they would shine best on? I would love a Bendis slash Scotty Young Avenging Spider-Man book. Uh, would love to see Scotty draw Spider-Man plus one every month. 
Still enjoying the heck out of a podcast. Ramsden. All right, boys. Writer-artist combo, and which books do we want them on? Oh, my God. What? Mark Wade and Jeff Johns are on Golden Embargo for this question. Oh, the hell they are. I People thought are of the perfect answer. <laughs> Mark Wade with Jeff Johns on art. Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wade, Steve Epting on one of the three books. Either Bring Back Gotham Central, a Jack Knight Starman series, because I trust Mark Wade to finish writing it. Drink. Or I would give Mark Wade carte blanche and the keys to Superman. Do whatever you want. He's your property. Oh, my God. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Mark Silvestri come back to Wolverine, you know? Mm, Mark Silvestri Wolverine makes me want to just do the robot dance all night long. Didn't you hate his Incredible Hulk? Yeah, it's garbage. But I think, you know, he could rebound coming back to one of his tried and trues, Wolverine. Did Silvestri write it or just draw it? No, Larry Hama, uh, he wrote the Wolverine era stuff. Um... Maybe 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 put Millar back on, you know? Millar did some great stuff back in the day when he came on and did uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that other one. Enemy of the State. Yes, correct. I just know yeah. there's, as soon as I say something, I'm going to, and, and we, as soon as we hit stop recording, I'm going to think of the one I really wanted to say. Right. So that's going to be a huge problem for me. I'd say, oh my God, I don't know, it's... You know, I'd love to see Ryan Otley. I don't think he'd ever do it, but I'd love to see Ryan Otley do Spider-Man. Mm. Just putting that out there. Okay, I like that. Oh, God, I don't know. I Jonesy don't know. loves beer. It looks like he's about to vomit. <sighs> Marie Callender. Marie Callender on Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> Rucka and Otley. On any Wolverine or Punisher title. You're here first. If I have to go with an embargoed Mark Wade, then I would probably put Chris Yost and Stegman on either a street-level Avengers team or a Luke Cage series. Luke Cage is garbage. When Jonesy, you publish your stuff, you can criticize other Jonesy, writers. Jonesy, don't worry. You don't have to go into the mic at all. You just <laughs> sit back, right. relax, eight feet away from the microphone. All right. Next up is from Brigo. Dear Keggers, just wanted to start out by saying episode 84 was definitely one for the win column. Jonesy's meltdown was absolute podcast gold. Couple don't quick encourage questions. him, Brigo. Don't encourage him. Quick questions from Brigo. What's everyone's thoughts on the end of Amazing Spider-Man and first issue of Superior Spider-Man? Second question is for Mark. What comics do you read on a monthly basis that aren't DC? Keep up the good work. Brigo. Uh, what did I think of Amazing to Superior? Mm. I don't know. It's not on the top of my list. I can assure you that much. Did you read Superior yet? Because you didn't as of last week. Yeah, I did read it. It was. What's the uh, diagnosis? <laughs> um... That's felt, not good. Felt like I don't know. No, it's not good. Oh gosh, are you falling out of it love with like, Spider Man? It, it feels like a mini, mini series. Uh, and I was listening to the Ancillary Characters podcast last week or the week before, and Ramsden wrote into them, and basically said he's he sort of has this obligation to pick up 
the flagship Spider-Man book because Spider-Man is his hero. And I feel the same way. I'm not going to not buy Superior, but it felt like, it certainly feels like it's going to be a 12-issue miniseries. Um, why they had to get rid of Amazing to do it, you know, it's that's comics, you know. But, like, his little claws on his fingers, to, and he drew blood, but he... He shot in nano spider tracers, and he's going to be hard R in Mary Jane at any moment. Like, it's just you know that kind of stuff just doesn't fly. And get it? He, it's just like obviously, you know, Peter's just going to kind of like retake the mind of his body. But I don't know. It's been sullied. Like it's not his body anymore and it's not his brain it's out of like it's i don't know it's weird i'm i'm mid-level on it 65 percent right now hmm. what if ramos did the first issue oh god, <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> you know the um i think they accidentally did a spoiler like they had been saying all the people that were worried about mary jane getting hard hard they said like wait for issue two and the colorist showed a black and white like before and after of, of a single page and it showed oh, yeah. Mary Jane having lunch with Carly. what's that chick's name Carly yeah and you know he told Carly that he was Peter Parker so I think that's how Mar- my guess is she tells Mary Jane that and she's like yeah you're right he's been acting pretty weird and I think that's how she finds out that's actually I, I, I actually forgot about that but I was hoping I'm hoping that that comes through like it gets word through the grapevine from Carly because Peter did admit, you know, in Doc Ock's body, admitted to Carly. Carly didn't believe him at the time, but I'm hoping uh, that comes through. And uh, she real she believes that this Peter Parker is not Peter Parker. Hmm. Uh, I thought Amazing 700 was okay. It was a means to an end. It wasn't a celebration of Spider-Man. It was just... Okay, this is how we're closing this chapter to open up the new one. Yeah. And then Superior, my theory with this whole Spider-Man thing, this is a silent reboot to get Peter Parker back to the status quo. Think about it. Ever since issue like 600, Peter Parker's been winning, both as Spider-Man and Peter. He's got the big time job. He's had hot girl after hot girl. He's a prominent member of the Avengers. Aunt May's okay. That's not the traditional Spider-Man direction. Spider-Man's the guy who, even when he wins, he loses. And so, having Ock sully the reputation of Peter Parker, apparently he might get kicked out of the Avengers, he loses his job, and just when he's at his lowest, that's when Peter Parker comes back. He's got to refight his way to getting respect, getting everything he had. That's what I think they're doing with this. That's not a bad theory. That's really not a bad theory. The only problem is I liked Peter on top. I liked big time Peter. Like he's allowed to have a job and money and stuff. Like it just it was good to see him get some little wins there, but that's a really good theory and I'm and I'm sure I'd enjoy Dan Slott writing that, you know. As long as he writes Peter Parker. As long as Humberto sends me my Fairy Quest volume 1 with <laughs> head sketch, you're never uh, getting that thing. Until then, he loses one 10 demerits every day. Did you disable? Did you like change the password to your Kickstarter so you wouldn't bid on anything, or have you bid on something since this whole? Oh, I haven't bid on anything. I refuse. Okay. Just checking. Mark, did we get any other letters? 
We got a couple I loved more. it, by the way. Nobody asked you. <laughs> Actually, it was open to everybody. Twitter. I, I bleepin' loved it. Bleep, 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 bleepin'. Uh, I didn't curse. Jonesy, you've barely had a minute to talk during these letter columns. Do you want to read a letter or two? You're more no, than welcome. No, 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 no. The internet has revolted. Jonesy loves being the un- the underdog, overdog, whatever he calls himself. <laughs> He's eating it up. He's like <laughs> scooping this show up right now. You're stuffing it down his gullet. <laughs> Your fourth favorite host, baby. Fourth favorite. Oh, yeah. Next up is from Catcher. Hello, gents. It's quite clear that Dale is the superstar of this group. He seems to be on every podcast that I listen to. Wow. As I was listening to the Great Kingdom Come episode, I heard Dale talking about the level of stress that Magog must endure for being a quote-unquote bad boy. And it was clear that he was obviously coming to terms with his own personal struggles with fame and the toll it takes on him. My question is for the other host. Have you considered the psychological effects this quote-unquote bad boy image seems to be having on him? And shouldn't you uh, be more concerned with his well-being? Don't squander such a precious gift, catcher. Mm. Isn't the catcher all deep? P.S. You've been back from hiatus for a while, but I'm seriously thankful that you weren't gone for long. It's a pleasure to hear this podcast every week, and I'm not sure I could sustain my interest in comics throughout my busy life without you. Keep up the good work. Wow, thanks, catch. Uh, a Dale underscore a squandered is a Dale underscore a wasted. I think uh, Martin Luther King said that. <laughs> but yeah, you do have a you're the podcast bad boy. You know, how does that affect you mentally, Dale? Having to live up to that and your bad boy image of making fun of little people, Jews. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it was Mark. I, mean, I think you did. No, oh, that was Mark. Okay, I'm sorry. I did Wait. not. That was not me. Dale, how does it? How does how's life? Um, it's okay. I think most of the people who listen to the show actually think, you know, they know that it's all based on sense of humor, you know? So I don't worry about it, but I worry about it. Like if I, if I were to go back and listen to the beginning episodes, I was probably a lot worse, but I mean, I don't know if it's my beautiful wife that softened me up or she doesn't listen to you. You don't have to compare any compliments. I know, but like in life in general, it's just, it's a, it is a lot easier to just tear something down than it is to spend energy trying to stay positive. Mm. So, you know, I try to, I try to keep things funny, but I try not to get too crazy. I try, you know, I try, it's tough sometimes, but you know, to, to tear something down is just so easy and in the comics, you know, a lot of people put a, a heck of a lot of work into this industry, into making something, and whether you like it or not is 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 not doesn't impact the amount of work already put into it. So, you know, to get real and flappy for a second, hashtag the flap. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's rough sometimes, but I mean, uh, again, <laughs> what's that sound mean? Time to move on. Time to move on. It's uh, like the Oscar. Mark, did you get any other letters? Thanks, Don. <laughs> we got one more from at Chris G First up, another great show. Second, concerning Brian K. Vaughn. I had the great fortune of meeting him at a show in Boston several years ago. And let me just say, what a great guy. He took the time to talk while signing a book, insert plug, Pride of Baghdad, instead of just signing and brushing people aside. Another guy who did the same was Steve Niles also took the time to talk instead of hurrying along just goes to show that there are people out there who actually like to talk to fans 
enough of this. Those comics aren't going to read themselves. Take care, y'all. And as always, looking forward to the next show. P.S. I am totally hooked on this new iPad Mini, specifically the Comixology app. Any other comic-related sites that are worth looking into? Mm, that Comixology app's pretty tasty. Uh, Theflap.com. Check it out. <laughs> Don't go there. We do not own that, and that sounds like a porno site. <laughs> it does. It does. No, that's thefap.com. Uh, I'll tell you what. That mini, I love that mini. I picked up a print comic book yesterday, and I thought it was like I was picking up People magazine. It was like this oversized, just horrific product to, in my hands. It felt weird. It felt like it was too big. I'm used to this mini stuff, yeah? Love it. I, I don't have to, all I have to say. Hmm. What did you do during the hurricane when you had no power? Uh, I tried to avoid my family as much as possible so that we wouldn't kill each other. Mm. Right. And uh, I went on walks a lot. You know, I'll tell you what. There is nothing sweeter than a long walk when you're cooped up in your house for th- two weeks. Your wife is a saint. <laughs> uh, what a show. Dale, did you have any, any any thoughts on those long walks? You got an opinion on that? Oh, I wish uh, I live on a street where people drag race down it, so I'd probably uh, get plowed into the top of somebody's hood if I tried to take a walk. <laughs> um, but I fully endorse just locking yourself in a closet if you can't take walks. Just drink scotch and try not to backhand to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the pot, the bad boy, y'all. The bad boy. If you agree or disagree with Dale, you know, leave us a review on iTunes. They help spread the word about the show. Do. Uh, what a show. Thanks for tuning in this week. You know, we'll be back next week, I think. Uh, you know, papercake.com, at slam on the Twitter, at Dale underscore A, Mark somewhere, and Jonesy's, Jonesy loves beer on the Twitter, you know? We'll see everybody next week. Love you. I'm telling you, that show got on the luxury liner of energy and hit the wind column iceberg wow. of love and titanic to my heart. I mean, what a great episode. You Did missed it. your calling in life. I just I should have done greeting cards, I think. I'm not Did- denying that. Did it uh, the uh, did it speed to and crash into the harborside town of Wincom? Yeah, consider the listeners' lives as a Caribbean town. And <laughs> episode eighty-five is a luxury liner piloted by Willem Dafoe. Right, and that's how great that episode was. I'm feeling it. I'm Claremont Love. We all loved it. I'm some throwing... great books. I flamed a book. I mean, this episode's got it all. Classic new, paper keg. Now, I'm throwing this out here to... as a question. Can you declare something in the win column until the rebuttals are heard? 
Because all the love might go away after we hear this rebuttal. Yeah, but my book wasn't rebuttaled, so I don't give an S. You know, whatever. She's a father now. Jesus, here Jones we go. loves beer. Uh, what was that rebuttal there, Slim? Slimbo? Well, I, think I think I had a rebuttal. What did you say about New Avengers, Mark? What was my lightning round comments? Yeah. That a parallel Earth universe was crashing into the Marvel universe, and the Illuminati must decide figure out if they can save the world or destroy another and buy more time. Did you like it? Yeah. Truth be told, this is probably the only Avengers book I'm loving. Uncanny Avengers, I'm actually on the verge of almost dropping. And Avengers regular title, I don't even like it. What? I just defeated Wait, you Avengers. don't like Yaromo Pena. Is that, is that correct? Romo Pena? I don't like Hickman on these kinds of stories. I mm. loved him during early Fantastic Four, but not so much. The, his ending to actually the whole his whole three issue arc of Avengers reminds me of that scene in uh, Mad Max Three with the kids, and they're telling that story of like, uh, God, well, <laughs> they're giving that switch of like the the Never Town or the Neverland or whatever the heck it was. Like, it just reminds me of that funky speech in Mad Max where these kids are talking about the time that was and all that stuff. His, like, his writing is, it's, I don't know how to describe it. He has his own thing with writing. Yeah, he definitely does. It's hit or miss. He's great with Reed Richards, but give him Cap and Iron Man and I'm kind of bored. Hmm. Hmm. So what about his creator-owned stuff? Do you read that? Nah, real talk. I didn't even know he had any creator-owned stuff. Maybe we should. <laughs> book club, book club, book club. Hick, we should do a Hickmania episode, maybe. Mm-hmm. Force Mark into reading some new stuff. What was that uh, volume he put out? Uh, that omnibus, the digital omnibus, that was really good. T- uh, test pattern. Test pattern. We should make you read that so you can tell me how much you hate it on the next show. Isn't um, that just a co- compilation of all, all his work or something? Yeah, I guess you can't really do that. The I do like New Avengers. I w- I was surprised because I didn't expect that I would like it. Is uh, are you saying that the second issue was better than the first issue? Because I first issue was kind of like lame duck for me, but I didn't read issue two. So I don't think. I mean, if you didn't like issue one, then you probably won't like the rest of it. I liked issue one personally. I would disagree with his opinion, Dale. I think if you didn't like issue one, you could still like issue two. Issue one well, was stupid. set up. Two is the one where they're all getting together. It's even got some good Black Panther Namor follow-up from AVX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it lays out the plot. This is why I care about the new Avengers. Nice. I might check it out then. You know what? I'll just say what the F and just say, let's do it. You know? I might you read don't it. have the time. You don't have the time. I realize I this is an unpopular opinion, but with Marvel now, I'm dropping more books than I'm adding. It's opposite day here on Paper Cakes. So I'm flirting like with dropping work. Cap. Un- Iron Man, I'm going to say it. It's unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> who was reading Iron Man anyway? I, I don't know one Nobody. person who was reading Iron Man. You're, you might be that one person that I know that is reading Iron Man. Shame, then that book's getting canceled because I'm done. I this the I mean, Greg Greg Land can make, he can draw nine comics a month. That doesn't mean I, I'm interested in reading. I mean, oh, Young Avengers was fantastic. Did anybody read that? No, nah, I haven't picked it up yet. You you gotta read that. There's a uh, there's a big snafu at the uh, the comic book shop in Wilmington, and they didn't get enough copies. What? Believe no. that? 
Yep. So now I'm I'm waiting on my copy of Young Avengers. Pretty upset. Mm. Spider Man and X Men books are what's ruling my Marvel world these days. You know what, uh, Dale underscore A. I think that book is two ninety nine. So if you were going to get print and also digital, you know you're free to do that because that doesn't come with a code. Oh yeah, so just, that's just throwing true. it out there. I might need to get both then. Me too. Yeah, I'm just looking out for you, Jonesy. Are you awake? I'm sorry. What? Jonesy's like <laughs> on. He's on that on the the uh, the Diet that, Coke. Uh, he's on that Marie Calendar. calendar. I'm swole with Marie Calendar right now. <laughs> Wrong word. That drug right? from Uncanny I'm swole with it. You didn't do that. That what? Then what would it be? If I'm consumed by something, what would it be? Is it drink one or drink two when Jonesy tries to use Ebonics? How's that Ebonics? I'm balling zero. I'm balling with swole. my Popeye. Swole. That's what I said. Uh, swole. You didn't. Say, never mind. I'm sh- so what, I don't Mark, know. did you read Uncanny X-Force? No, I haven't. I haven't picked up any books that came out this Wednesday yet. Cripes. What do you think about that last page here, Slim? Are you it. ready for that? I was not. In your heart? I wasn't ready for that in my heart, but I do... First time I ever uh, found out what that character's first name was, too. I feel like uh, Humphrey's writing style is very Brian Wood, Ian, in that he can kind of write characters in similar tones. Like, I don't know, Brian Wood has his own writing style that follows him book to book. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of, mm-hmm. character-wise, and I think Humphrey's is starting to get that same thing. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I, but it uh, is a thing. I think uh, I, I've... Uh, I never really had an opinion about Psylocke before, but I like her. I think I liked her in this book. Um, I ha- I enter- I was thoroughly entertained by this book. Bishop looked like a BA with all that mm. facial hair and that those dreads. Mm-hmm. See, now I want to go read it because Psylocke's been in comics since the '80s, and she's had some pretty BA moments. So, what happened in this book that gave her your respect? I don't know. I I really liked. I started it. She started to pop on my radar uh, during Remendo's Uncanny X Force run. Quotey uh, fingers. Um, when she flash forwarded that entire fake life to Angel, I thought it was a beautiful moment in comics, and I thought maybe I could like that character. And then I kind of flirted with being a fan of hers the rest of the run, and just her uh, B attitude. Uh, B-A-itude? I don't even know how to say it in this issue. It's just She jumps off the page, Mark. Great character. She does. She Great does character. jump off the page. Remember when she was a sloot back in the early 90s chasing after Scott Summers in X-Men? I she know, was but I wish the she foil. it hard. Be a yeah, she did. Chase after me in my life pages. <laughs> she went from being a deep character to basically the foil for Scott and Jean's love triangle. That's what I'm talking about. To dying, coming back, and being all BA again. Spoilers. Had a hell of a character arc. <laughs> uh, we're running. We're running pretty late. So uh, if anyone has anything they want to add, now would be the time. Uh, Wish it was my foil for my life pages. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>